0: I initially invested in a limited partnership in Ohio because I wanted to learn more about how the syndications work and eventually become a general partner where I helped run the deal. And fast forward, I'm still working on the boats. Right now I'm six weeks on, six weeks off. So I had to revise the way I'm doing things and focus on the things that I can do to make me a part of a team. My friend told me that it just takes just have to put in the reps and do the steps pretty much and then you'll get there.
1: Welcome to the journey to multifamily millions podcast. Start your journey today of building wealth through multifamily real estate investing. Listen to inspiring conversations with experts in the field from every step of the process. It doesn't matter if you're new to multifamily real estate or if you're already the savvy pro we cover it all. And now your host, founder and CEO of Zana Investments, Tim Little.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Journey to Multifamily Millions. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Zana Investments, Tim Little. And on today's show, we have with us Scott Kidd. Scott is the head of investor relations for Yachty Real Estate a firm that helps professionals achieve their yachty lifestyle by investing passively in multifamily real estate. Scott has over 25 years of maritime experience, including new builds, refits, project management, and yacht management. After many years investing in the single family space, he transitioned to multifamily real estate four years ago, acting as both a limited partner and general partner. Scott, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, how you doing, Tim? Thanks for having me on and uh, appreciate all your uh, followers and listeners taking the time to uh, have me on.
2: Yeah, it's great to have you. So I gave everyone a very high level overview of your background there. But on this show, we really like to get into the details of how you got started on your journey. So please take us back to the beginning and tell us how you got to where you are today. Okay. When
0: I was on the yachts for a while, I did what a lot of people do is they buy your first home as you building your family and then as my family got bigger we bought another house rented that one out bought and sold another house and eventually i started thinking maybe i'll just buy a house every year and then keep going that way like a lot of people and started focusing on that and then i ran into a friend of a friend and he had told me that he bought and sold a 46 unit apartment in houston texas and made an x amount of money in a couple of years and he basically told me, I said, I asked him, I said, you can do that? I said, yeah, you can do that. And he was talking to me and he said, yeah, I, I did it. And it's not as complicated as you might think. Then, so I started doing the, the research and it took me a while um, on the research side, just to learn a lot about it because there's a big learning curve, I think, going from single family and it's more of a team sport. I started going to a lot of meetups and had a little had got a little discouraged because a lot of the uh, meetups were trying to sell you something at the end. Eventually, I met up with some people that were like minded, and uh, eventually, I started my own meetup group. And uh, through networking, I met all my partners or all the deals that, I, that I've, I've ever done. And uh, whether it be virtually during COVID or virtually now and in person, and I built the group up and just wanted it to be open and have a place where everyone could come and learn about real estate and get together and do deals or just solve problems that they needed because that's, I think that's very important to me. Actually, I got involved with a couple partners and we bought a 13 unit on a joint venture in Daytona, Florida area, and another one, an eight unit in West Palm Beach. And we bought and sold the eight unit in West Palm Beach. And I initially invested in a limited partnership in Ohio, because I wanted to learn more about how the syndications work and eventually become a general partner where helping run the, run the deal. And uh, fast forward, i was I'm still working on the boats. Right now I'm six weeks on, six weeks off. So I had to revise the way I'm doing things and focus on the things that I can do to make me a part of a good team. I focus uh, mostly on the raising of funds and things like that in asset management and investor relations because I can do that from anywhere and uh, that's where I can provide the most benefit to other people. I'm currently a general partner on a property in Charlotte, a 65 unit, and uh, we're just signed on on a uh, 142 unit in Oklahoma, which I'm helping out on that one. It took a bit of time, but everybody in their own time, but I, if I can do it, anybody can. Same thing my friend told me, and it just takes You just have to put in the reps and do the steps pretty much and then you'll get there.
2: Yeah, no, that's awesome. You packed a a lot into that story. There's a lot to unpack. Let's go back to when you transitioned from the single family side to the, the multifamily side. What was it that really prompted the transition? Was it just really seeing how much money that your buddy made off this 46 unit or were there other factors at play there? It was, some of it was, I'm not going to lie, it's,
0: some of it was the, the money, but the more the more I got into it was the, initially that you yeah, have the economies of scale and it's there's actually a lot less risk in it uh, than single family house where if you lose the one renter that you have, then you're scrambling to fill it again. And then you've probably lost all of your profits for that year. Whereas if you have 50, 100 units, if you lose five, four, five, People and they move out, and you get more people, it still has enough um, cash flow to sustain itself. So, it that was the main thing that I liked was that uh, we had you have economies of scale and it's a team effort because being on the boats and stuff, everything's a team effort. If you don't have a good team, the boat's not going anywhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you, you raised something that, that I hit on all the time when it comes to the difference between the single family and multifamily side of things. And the way that I usually frame it is risk mitigation, right? So if you have a a single family property, it's either one euro percent occupied. You may cut that in half if you get a duplex and a third with a triplex, et cetera. But still, you just mitigate your risk so much by scaling up and making that the property that much larger, and then also I think the risk of having something break and have it wipe out all your profits for, let alone that month, but maybe even the year if you have to replace a roof, if you uh, hot water heater goes out, anything like that, and especially if you have a property manager who's taking ten percent off the top anyways, um, you, you're really in a precarious position from a uh, a cash flow and profit perspective. Yes,
0: that's definitely true and that was as I got more into it that's what I really liked about it was that you could you also had with the team everyone was putting in their best effort and a, a good deal you have a good team so everyone's a putting in sweat equity or they're putting up their own funds and they're, or they're helping manage the deal or manage the asset or everyone's it's, it's a group effort on everyone's on the same page everyone wants it to run efficiently and, and and run well so that we can all do more and hopefully create a better lifestyle for yourself if everyone is working accordingly then you, you can take taking back a lot of your time
2: yeah absolutely that synergy between partners is so important for making the deal work which is very different from a lot of things on the single family side where it's just buying the property, doing whatever. Multifamily, especially large commercial multifamily, is really not something that you can do on your own, or it's very rare and it's hard to do successfully. I think another part of your journey that a lot of people will resonate with is that taking a look, once they discover commercial multifamily and syndication in general, being intrigued by it, and then feeling this steep learning curve, right? They start reading the books, they start listening to the podcasts like this one. They start going to meetups, but then they run into, depending on which of these conferences they go to, almost inevitably they're going to get pitched some kind of training program at the end. And sometimes that just leaves a a bad taste in people's mouth. And that's not to say that there isn't value in these programs, because I think there can be. It's just you have to evaluate those programs to see if it's going to provide the value you expect. And if it's going to provide you what you need and if you have time to take advantage of it, right? So a lot of people who have full-time jobs, they may not be able to take advantage of what these training programs have to offer, especially if they're out at sea for six weeks at a time. They really need to hone in if they're going to get that mentoring, that coaching on the program that works best for them. But I think you did something that's unique and you pivoted and said, hey, if I'm not finding what I like, then I'm going to create it myself. And you created a meetup group. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what that looks like now? initially started
0: because there was a lot of people. One, like I said, I was having a hard time finding people that aligned with my interests other than the salesy stuff. And I did eventually Run into a few people that uh, were, I ended up partnering with and they have their own meetups. And I said, there's a lot of people that I know that are on, on the boats that uh, would like to have a place to come or at least people that we could discuss real estate. And a lot of people on the boats, they all they live is on the boat. They don't have any expenses or anything like that. They have a lot of capital sitting there and they don't know what to do with it, especially the younger guys. And I, I thought that maybe, maybe it would be good for us to get together and just talk about what they can do, what the, cause I didn't know what, that all these things were available, even though I'd worked for a lot of real estate guys that were independently wealthy and second, third generation wealth. So eventually I eventually started it and it's, it was about two years ago and it's been really good because a lot of people are now reaching out to find out more and I'm able to do what I've always done best is just connect people and put people together and it's that's how I add value to other people is just connecting people that because a lot of times you don't know especially if you're at, at C, hey I'm having problems getting a mortgage or a commercial mortgage and call this guy or come to the meetup I'm sure there's somebody there that can help you and we're now doing I eventually collaborated with two other groups uh, soflow network and uh, real estate Queens and Fort Lauderdale we're also doing West Palm Beach and Stewart, Florida. Their SoFlo network is also doing Miami, Tampa, Orlando, Aspen, Colorado, and Phoenix, Arizona. So it's been really good. When I first initially started, it was just a, a few people. And a couple of months ago, we had about 95 people there in Fort Lauderdale. So it was a lot of fun. And the thing that made me feel good was that a lot of people came up to me afterwards and say, thank you, because there's no one ever trying to sell us anything we were able to collaborate with other people. And if we ask you a question, you just tell us what you did. Even if you failed at it or did well, you always give us an honest answer. So that made me feel really good that it was is helping a lot of people get started or with their problems that they're having.
2: Yeah, that's great. I think because it sounds like you really built a community. And when you say that 95 people were there, we get so in the habit of thinking in social media numbers that, oh, 95 doesn't sound like much at all. But when you're talking about live in-person events, like for a meetup, like having 90 people is huge um, for a meetup. I've gone to, to meetups where five or, five or 10 people are sitting around talking about real estate. And, and that can be fine too, you know, yeah. especially if you want that more intimate setting where they hold it at a coffee shop or something like that. Yeah. But no, it's awesome that you've been able to scale that and then build relationships with other groups because I think there's a, a lot of benefit there. Um, so I want to go back to uh, one of the other things that you talked about, which was your JV deal. And just for the the audience, why don't you explain to us what a, a JV or joint venture deal is and how that's set up? The joint venture is basically yourself and
0: one or two or however many other partners where you all put your funds together and buy a property and you all take part in in running it or have certain duties in there. You're not really with a syndication, you're raising capital in addition to doing that. But joint venture, you're all putting together more than likely the down payment or possibly all of the cash to buy the property. And with that particular one in Daytona, it was myself and three other partners. Actually, the partner that I met at her meetup group, she invited me in and asked me if I wanted to be involved. And she and I got along great. And she invited a couple of other people in and we purchased that one about two and a half years ago. And we've redone them just about all of the units except for one. And the place is running great. We didn't knock on wood. We didn't have any major damage from the storm last year. That's been really good. I highly recommend networking and just going to meetups and meeting people because you might meet your next partner or next person that you might be missing.
2: Hey, Tim here. Now, you know, I don't have any ads on my podcast. I try to focus on having the best guests on the show and squeezing as many valuable insights as I can from each one. But I also want to make sure as many people as possible benefit. And that's where I need your help. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really goes a long way toward getting it in front of others. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. I can't echo that enough. I've met most of my the people that I've worked with at multifamily conferences or something like that. And you just know when you click and then you try to do a deal together. And if it works out, then you hopefully you do another one. Uh, I think Joint venturing is something we don't talk about as much, but it can be a a good opportunity for folks to get involved with larger properties, especially if they've dabbled in the single family or small multifamily side of things. Joint venturing can be a way to get into those larger properties and get their hands dirty on how all of that works. And it would be great experience for them as they move up into the the syndication space. Um, I want to talk about your primary job which is being on the boats. I think people have this image of being on a yacht and everyone is just wealthy, walking around in bikinis, sipping champagne. And I don't know, maybe that's true, but talk to us a little bit about your interaction with these high net worth individuals and if they're aware of opportunities in passive investing or if they're already doing it, or is it even something that they're willing to listen to? It really varies between
0: the rest of them, but most of them do have a large part of their uh, wealth in uh, real estate in one way or the other on whether they invest passively or a lot of times they own a lot of these places outright or that's part of their business, whatever they're in. But a lot of times they they don't necessarily know them unless they're in uh, real estate, they may not because... Most of their funds, a lot of times go back reinvesting in their businesses that they have. And if real estate is a part of their portfolio, they do go in, they do reinvest those funds back in. But as far as them investing with me, uh, there's a couple of people in my network there that are potential, but it's it's a long game with a lot of these guys because they usually have a guy or a family office, which is their family someone they have running all of their financials, their trusts and those type of things. So generally all those decisions go through them or they have someone that is their advisor or real estate advisor or trust advisor that, that usually makes you know 90% of the decision for them. So it can be a long game to get to that. But as far as on the yachts, we do ship, sip champagne from time to time, but generally that's the guests, not us. <laughs>
2: Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And I guess a lot of people may not have thought about that, right? They're like, oh, all you got to do is get in the room with yeah. high net worth individuals and you got it made, right? All of a sudden, the, the money will rain down because they'll see this uh, opportunity and recognize it and just throw money at you. But it, it's obviously a lot more complicated than that. And one of the obstacles you just mentioned, which is the fact that a lot of times they're not dealing with this themselves, right? Yes. <laughs> the, yes. Just like a lot of things that we outsource they pay someone else to handle those decisions so that they don't have to, so that they can focus on whatever it is has made them this much money yeah. in the first place, uh, which makes a whole lot of sense. But again, I think it's just worth noting because uh, even I, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll, I'll come visit you down there. And I, I get these yeah, things well, from you, like the more than
0: more than welcome to the thing is uh, what uh, a lot of people uh, don't understand is that one these guys I get people approach them all the time with all kinds of deals. Have I got something for you and i I work for them on the boats that I run sometimes their twenty thirty forty million dollar boat for them and do refits two three million dollars and stuff at a time, and they're okay because I have twenty twenty five years of experience doing that. They're okay giving me the money for that. but if I go to them with a real estate deal, they're like, you're gonna have to talk to Johnny or that's my guy that makes that decision. They don't know me for for that as yet as well. And Plus, I don't have the 25 years of experience doing that. If I did have that, then there would be a different conversation. And the main thing is they get a lot of deal flow and all kinds of things because people are coming at them all day, every day. You don't want to be one of many. You want to be the guy.
2: No, you're exactly right. And that's the other piece of it is that people are pitching them all the time. And I, I'm sure their, their defenses are high. So the the, <laughs> yes. the moment they feel like they're being pitched to, they're probably going to shut down, especially yes. if it's coming from a, a source that they're not expecting it from. Like you're yes. their yacht guy and they trust their yacht in, in your hands with yes. tens of millions of dollars, but you're not their financial advisor guy. So why would they yes. take financial advice from you? It's a challenge, I think.
0: I would equate it, and I've said this to, to uh, someone before, it'd be like the the Uber driver giving you a real estate advice or something like that. <laughs> something like that. It's two things that aren't necessarily going together because I'm not known for that at, the, at this time, but if
2: eventually uh,
0: they'll find out, I would imagine.
2: No, that's awesome. And, and like I said, I think that's really good because it's just stuff that maybe we hadn't thought about. And so I, I guess... The other piece that I wanted to hit on when you talked about your story is a lot of people wonder, hey, how do I get into these deals as a general partner, a GP as, as we call it? And they're like, I'm not sure you know, what I can bring to the deal. Maybe they have some capital, maybe they have some skills, they've underwritten a few deals. But I think the important point that you mentioned was you figured out how to provide the most value to the other folks in the partnership. And for you, that was investor relations because you could maintain your job and still handle that responsibility at the same time. And maybe that's something that the other partners didn't feel like dealing with. And so you brought immediate value to the table. And besides having to like you too, which is usually part of any partnership, you don't want to partner up with someone that's annoying or you wouldn't have a beer with, right? But you have to find a way to provide value. And and so I I guess as a question, in terms of the the value that you're providing, are you doing uh, like the investor relations, like monthly updates and stuff like that? Or uh, what kind of work are you doing on that side? It
0: It depends on the deal. If they have quarterly reports or monthly reports open just for people have questions and stuff like that and follow up as much as possible, as much as needed. A monthly update is good, quarterly. It just depends on also depends on the investor. They might not they might not want some people are are there like, hey, I want to learn about this because I, I one, it's my money, and two, I wanna know more about it because maybe I want to do do this myself. So that anything else is depends on the person. And it's getting back to your your statement where you're saying that that you know where you provide value, that's also going to depend on your skill set as well. Now what are you good at, and what if you're really good at underwriting or doing the numbers? If that's what you do in your actual job or you're maybe you're an accountant or something like that, you might be really good at seeing building the story of the property for the rest of the team through the numbers, and that might be what you're good at. maybe that could be second nature you could analyze the deal in ten minutes where other people it might take them hours so that's one way you could provide
2: some value. Yeah, exactly. Look at your natural skill set or, or what you do on your job. No, that that makes a lot of sense. All right, so w- we covered a lot of ground there, but I do think we need to move on to the turbo round. All right, so I'm going to ask you three questions that I ask every guest that I have on the show, and I just ask you for a quick, honest answer. So, okay. the the first question. What is one red flag every investor should look out for? The uh, track record of the syndicator, primary. Yeah, and talk about that a little more because I think the concern that a lot of new folks have is, hey, I don't have a track record, so what are my options? It's the, you must have three years of experience for this entry-level job kind of situation.
0: Yes, I would say what I've done is align yourself with other people that have larger track records and provide value to them what can you do to help them and if someone doesn't have a huge track record and they're doing like a hundred million dollar deal maybe you want to take a pause and take a second look at that just see where all that's coming from or how that all got all put together whereas if it's someone they have someone on their team that has has done multiple deals like that then your level of comfort should go up a lot because they're going to have the backing and at least the advisory to where they can pull it off.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're able to leverage the experience of that team. All right. What is a myth about this business that you would like to set straight? The main myth is what I
0: keep going back and forth over is that if you find a great deal, everything else will fall into place. I've been through that myself and i found a great deal and shopped it around to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, it's a great deal. And then there was crickets after that i think you have to find the money first if you have people that will invest with you the deals will come to you um because then you can vet the deals uh, i would say it goes that way find the money first
2: yeah absolutely this is not one of those if you build it they will come uh kind of situations all right finally what does success look like to you
0: Uh, Success for me is one spending more time with my family and building my real estate business enough to where I have the choice to where I can walk away from the boats if I like or just go part time, which um, I'm part time now. But uh, once everything falls into place, if I don't feel I need to go on the boats anymore, I can I take that choice, take that step. But I, I still love the boats and I love real estate. So I'm probably going to do both until they tell me I can't.
2: <laughs> there you go. But but having that that time and, and financial freedom and is certainly nice.
0: Yeah, having the choice where it's my choice, it, it's always better to walk away on your own terms.
2: Absolutely. All right, Scott. Hey, this has been awesome. Please tell our guests how they can get a hold of you, and if you have anything else that you'd like to share with them to get hold of me, you can uh, find me at investwithkid.com
0: and on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I'm under my name, Scott Kidd, and, or just look up Yachty Real Estate Investors.
2: All right. We'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. Scott, again, thank you for coming on. And I look forward to continuing to see you do big things on your journey to multifamily millions. Thanks, Tim.
1: You've been listening to the Journey to Multifamily Millions podcast with host Tim Little. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review as well to help us reach more people like you. For more information on how you can start your journey to multifamily millions, visit ZanaInvestments.com. And remember, every journey starts with a single step and there's always more to learn.